Kim and don't know shit. I might not know shit, but I know enough. I might not know shit, but I know enough. You might call me dumb, but I have a lot of fun. I might not know shit, but I know enough. Episode 36, and tonight I'm going to have Mr. Patio Lantern. And uh, yeah, we're gonna hang out. I got a bottle of red wine here. I might crack and uh, you know just kind of chill out and see what's going on. I know he's into uh, all kinds of projects right now. Uh, he's just released an album with uh, Dragged In. I can't wait to hear all about this. I played the album in the car today. It was banging, banging. He also friends Brutal Youth. I mean, this guy's busy and energetic as fuck. So yeah, we're gonna sit down and uh, get, get right down to it. And uh, don't forget, there's a PayPal link under the video and uh, that's for any tip, uh, whether it's 50 cents, a dollar, five dollars, or whatever it is, you become the producer of the next episode. It's a good way to support the channel and get involved and you'll be credited for it. And I wanna thank you all for all your continued support and I hope you're doing great or at least surviving and holding in. We're not asking the world right now, right? <laughs> all right, love you all. Let's get this started, all right? Don't forget to subscribe. Hey, man. How's it going? Pretty good, how are you doing? I'm doing all right, where are you at? I'm just at home here in Toronto. In Toronto, how are things over there? You know, we got a big, dumb tower. And uh, and a <laughs> and a big dumb premier, <laughs> right? But uh, like, what's the situation over there? Are like clubs or restaurants and stuff like that open? Uh, no, no, nothing's open. They're supposed to be opening stuff up again, uh, like tomorrow maybe. Um, oh, really? But tomorrow's April first, so it's probably a joke. <laughs> probably right. Yeah, how are you yeah. holding in there? Uh, it's not been too bad. I've been doing a lot of music stuff. Like um, Brutal Youth have been recording a new record. I've uh, been writing a lot with the guys in Dragged In. Um, so, you know, like keep them busy. But, yeah. um, and I got a dog. So we've been going for walks in the park every single day. Man, dogs are getting people through all this, right? Dude, it's crazy how many dogs are just fucking getting adopted. Like it's, it's madness. Um, it was really hard to get a dog which uh, I guess is nice because they're all getting homes. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's wild, man. Nah, it really is. Hey, this morning I was driving to work and um, man, I just couldn't believe it. I, I listened to the entire Dragged In uh, album. Mm -hmm. Fucking sweet sounding album, man. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, um, the Jerry Farley, man, he did just an incredible job. I really did. It brought me right back to like early '80s hardcore sound, but like modernized a bit, you know. Yeah, well, good. That everyone, everyone will be happy to hear that. <laughs> okay, cool. I wasn't sure, you know, but it really did because I remember I had the um, I had on vinyl and cassette uh, Black Flags. Who's got the Ten and a Half uh, live album, right? And I used to listen to that as a kid all the time. And I was listening to your album today, and as like your voice brought me right back to that. Awesome, man. Yeah, really I'm glad good. to hear that. Uh, I mean, but like, that's that's the, you know, that's what we're shooting for is like that sort of that space and and time. Um, like those are all the bands that have influenced us. Um, yeah, so everyone will be really excited to hear that that you felt <laughs> that way and that it brought you back there. Man, I listened to that album so much as a kid too. But I'll probably listen to the album again tomorrow on the drive to work tomorrow morning. It was, I, I was really blown away. Like, uh, I, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know if it was going to sound like I've seen you play with Brutal Youth. I didn't know how similar it was going to be or not, you know. But just, yeah. man, I got into the album. I listened to it from top to bottom, which is rare. I do that. I'm usually bouncing songs, you know, all over sure. the place. But I the entire album. Oh, good. I'm glad you enjoyed it, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Dragged In and Brutal Youth, like, to my ear, um, and I'm pretty close to the situation, so, like, take that with a grain of salt. But, like, I feel like the two bands are pretty distinct um, in terms of like, they don't sound much like one another. Uh, my voice only changes so much, right? Like, but um, I feel like the guys in Dragged In just like they write differently than than Brutal Youth. So it's, it's nice to have just like two different avenues to explore. Uh, absolutely. What was the writing process like for, for the uh, Dragged In album? 
because I was gonna uh, write, I don't know like if you do a lot of writing like of the working on the music but the guys are you know how, how does that work out yeah so with brutal youth generally um like I write a lot of that stuff myself like I'll write a lot of the guitar riffs and stuff and, and bring it to the guys as a full song um and then like Kyle our bass player he also it like writes his own stuff and brings it to us and Greg our guitarist as well like he'll write songs so um the process with dragon is very different brutal youth like everyone kind of writes separately and then we bring it to one another and we might tweak some stuff um change some things but generally that's how it goes with dragged in um those guys will go to band practice and i won't show up for you know seven or eight weeks and then uh i'll roll in and they'll have like eight or nine songs written that they'll like one guy will come in with some riffs, but they'll collectively kind of work it together. And then I'll come in and just shit on the whole thing and be like, you know, chorus sucks. I need a uh, verse to be twice as long here. And um, yeah. And then I'll write lyrics. Uh, so yeah, it's a very different process, but like, I don't know. It's cool. Cause with brutal youth, sometimes it feels like there's a lot of, um, it just feels like a heavy workload sometimes. To, to, you know, just keep writing songs and not, like not have the other guys contribute, which is like, that's how it's set up. And the, um, yeah, it's always different, it. right? Every process yeah. is different. But it's nice to drag into just like, there's a lot of collaboration and a lot of like, um, people aren't precious about shit, which I really appreciate. Cause like with Brutal Youth, like I can be really precious about like, oh no, no, it's got to only be played four times. Like we can't have six reps of this particular riff or whatever. Um, and like, I can get my feelings hurt. Uh, those guys, they're just like, they're super cool. They're super easy going. And I really appreciate that side of it. That I think that, that, uh, that sums up dragged in though, in a lot of ways, it's like, it's very chill, very laid back. Uh, Brutal Youth is there's like, we're all, we're all just on a razor's edge all the fucking time. Um, there's just a lot of anxiety and, uh, you know, I like it, it works. Like we all, we all bounce one another out. We all love one another. It's just like brutal youth can feel very, um, there's just, we're always all on edge, uh, to like get the best possible thing. And like, um, you know, like protective of ideas and, um, and all coming from all stemming from like, we want the best songs and we want to have the best live show. And um, yeah, dragged in just everyone's super laid back and uh, it, it just works. Like it wouldn't work in brutal youth. Yeah. But as a singer, that must be kind of fun because like, I can imagine like you're coming in, there's music in front of you, you know, it's kind of like a rapper freestyling, you know, sure. I mean, you, you get to listen to something, get inspired by it. And then like, you know, I imagine words or, or melodies or how to attack the song is going through your head, you know, because that, that's yeah. kind of, you, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's rare that happens like that for a singer where you can just get on board and okay, Oh, you have this in front of you. That must be pretty cool uh, feeling. Yeah. It's the best, man. It's just like, it's great going in there and like them just having something worked out and, um, and just being able to like sort of play like that. And yeah, I'll sit down and like, they'll play it for me once or twice and I'll be like, okay, I think I have an idea for, for like a, a hook or something, or like I have an idea for a, like a melody and I'll just kind of like bark gibberish. Um, and we'll kind of go from there. And yeah, it's, it's a, it's a really cool, it's just a different process, but it's very organic in terms yeah. of how the, the vocal melodies come together. I it's can really totally relate to, to that. I went to a band practice a couple of weeks ago and uh, Josh, our uh, trombone player, had, had an acoustic. And he was sitting down and he, he had this, uh, like, you know, chord pattern going on. And he was strumming away. And I just grabbed the microphone. I kind of did, you know, what you're describing. Did a bit of gibberish, threw in a couple of real words, but kind of got the vibe of the song. And then I, I, I always kind of record that moment. And then I take it home and then sort of I'll get like more words sometimes add parts you know and kind of like i like building up from that way it is one style of songwriting that i definitely enjoy yeah for sure yeah no it's 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 cool part of the reason for that too is like um dragged in we all live in the city so getting together for practices is easy brutal youth we're we're scattered so it's like 2 3 hours for guys to drive in order to get to a band practice um so like there's some, there's some, there are some pragmatic reasons behind the why brutal youth write the way they do too. Right. But um, yeah, man, 
writing, writing with dragon is just like, it's a lot of fun for exactly the reasons you just described. Like I just get to pick up a microphone and kind of play and, um, and they're really great with giving me feedback too. Like if, if it's, if something's working then they're like, yeah, yeah, keep going in that direction. And, and if it's not, then they'll, they'll say like, eh, maybe try something else and, and we will. And, um, but we'll do the same thing. Like just do like a little phone recording or like we've got a little handhold recorder and, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome, man. I, I just love, I love writing songs. Just uh, however it happens, just writing music is cool. It's a lot of fun. You know, I'm really happy to hear that. Like, uh, you know, I think every, <sighs> I mean, you can have great players, but somebody has to dream up a song, right? You know, and that that's a whole other art form almost, you know, because like I talk Absolutely. to a lot of songwriters, you know, the, the guys like that might be in a band, but like, you know, if they don't bring a song, there's not really songs in the band, you know? Yeah. Because that's something, I don't know if it happens to you, but like, I mean, here you are, you know, coming up with lyrics for two bands and and songs and, and all this process. Do you ever panic? Like, you know, oh man, we can have a studio, but I don't have the songs right now. Has that ever happened to you? Yes, that's, I, I just went through that with this. So Brutal Youth are currently in the studio with Steve Risen at Drive Studios. We're recording our fourth album. And um, we had just like tons of riffs, tons of songs written. Kyle and Greg were both firing on all cylinders. Like we had like, I don't know, 20, 25 songs written. And then I'm sitting here just sort of, and then we whittled that down to 18. So we recorded 18 tunes and they're like, okay, it's like, it's your turn. Write some, what do you got for lyrics? And I was like, man, I, I've got like four of these songs ready to go, but I don't have anything else. So I had uh, what, 14 songs that I needed to write. And then we whittled that down to from 18 to 14. So we started with 25, we recorded 18 and then we chopped off another four. So I had, you know, four songs written and 10 to do. And, uh, it was like, yeah, it was just like, I don't, I'm not, I got, I don't have anything. Like the well is empty. And they are just sort of like, well, we like this, it's ready to go. Like, we just need you to do your thing. So, um, over like the holidays, over the break, uh, I went, uh, I went to, I'm from Newfoundland. So I went back to Newfoundland for about a month and, um, my parents have just like a cabin in the woods up there. So I had to, I had to isolate for two weeks because of COVID. Um, so I was up there by myself, just like writing and trying to come up with like, okay, like what is this song, you know, trying to inform the lyrics through the music. Like, yeah, it was a lot of work. So, um, for sure. Yeah. How do you handle the pressure of that? Like, you know, some people pressure kind of backs them off other people. They, you know, run towards the pressure. Like how does that work for you? Um, I mean, I feel like I was, I felt I was stressed, but what I kept coming back to with everyone, like Steve at drive studios was really cool. And he was like, look, when it's ready, it's ready, you know, like take your time or whatever. Um, a couple of the guys in the band were like, kind of like they're pushing, but, um, not to be jerks. They were just like, they're, you know, they're applying a little bit of pressure. So I was stressed about it. I was getting messages all the time. Like, what do you got today? What do you got today? What do you got today? Like, I don't know, man, I'm tearing my hair out here. Um, for me, lyrics are really important. And I, I do my best to like write something that um, it, like in three or four years time, I can look back at and like be proud of and say like, I put a lot, like I, I crafted those words with a lot of love and um not to say that other people don't do that. Like, I don't, I'm, I don't, I don't mean to disparage anyone who's like writing lyrics. Right. But for me, it's like, it's super important. Uh, when I listen to music, I'm always drawn to like, what is this person saying? So that was, that was just like, I, I had to really just like take my time and like choose my words carefully. And I had a lot that I wanted to say, but I didn't really know how to say it. So that right. was the issue that I was coming up against was like, like I know the feeling that I want to convey, or I know the the thought that I want to convey. I just can't find the right combination of words. And then to put on top of that, like to, to make it, you know, poetic or to make it like rhyme, um, like it's a lot. So yeah, that, that, but that was the process is like, they applied some pressure and um, yeah, I feel like I, I feel like maybe it helped. I don't know. There were times when I was annoyed, but uh, yeah, man, that, that's, 
I've come to realize actually that you know deadlines are my friend. Right. <laughs> even if i pass the deadline that's still moving towards it you know sometimes if i'm in limbo I, you know i can start doing other things <laughs> i would say that that's true of me as well like when we didn't have a timeline and when there was no imaginary sort of deadline because like stomp called us stomp records and they're like hey when's this going to be ready and i was like fuck if i know and they just <laughs> sort of said like okay cool that's fine um we were sort of expecting it you know, in March, um, it's February now. Is that reasonable? And I was like, yeah, I mean, it, it's, uh, that'll be tough, but yeah, it's reasonable. And so they sort of said, okay, well, like, that'll be a soft deadline. Um, you know, there's a pandemic going on right now. I don't know if you've heard about it, but uh, if they, if you guys got it over there in Toronto, cause it's, it's hit Quebec pretty hard. And I was like, oh yeah, I know there's like a pandemic thing happening here too. So they're like, okay, cool. Well, um, you know, try and get it out by March, but if it's later than that, we're not going to be annoyed about it. And um, that helped a lot to just like have that conversation for two reasons. It set me at ease that I wasn't letting anybody down, but it also lit a fire because it's like, okay, well now there's a, now there's an expectation, even if it's a soft one um, to just like kick this into high gear. So yeah, I just spent a lot of time. Cause like I got, when I was away in Newfoundland, I got like, I don't know, probably eight of them done, but I still had some songs kicking around that like needed lyrics. And um, I guess I was resting on my laurels a little bit too, because I was like, well, I got eight done, you know, I only need, I only need to do six more. Everybody leave me alone. So. <laughs> but that's pretty cool though. Being like, at least you were lucky to have a place where you could isolate yourself, you know, to, to yeah. focus in on that. That's pretty cool to have that. Yeah. It was really nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's just me and a and a couple of Grey Jays. Like that was it. There's there's nobody around. <laughs> Did you grow up in New Brunswick? Newfoundland, yeah. Newfoundland, I mean, sorry. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, I was born in St. John's, and then my parents moved to Labrador. So um, yeah, I grew up just like pretty much in a tree. <laughs> That's amazing, man. You know, it's 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 beautiful to you know, take in, like, I find, okay, here's what I'm getting at, actually. I grew up in a really small town, and I find a lot of bands come from more remote areas, and then come to the big city with it. And I think there's our reasons for that, like, you know, just having space to play music, for for one thing, you know, or out of boredom, and lack of people, that people group up, you know, but I definitely think, I, I, I'd love to see some kind of statistic on that, because everybody I know, it's like, they came from out of the cities, then moved to the cities. Yeah, I think that's fair. Cause like, and, and what you touched on there is true. It's like boredom, right? Like, so you pick up an instrument and like, you just sort of entertain yourself. Um, look, there are a lot of great bands that are like city kids, but uh, yeah, I feel like the city sort of calls artists in um, like, it's, oh, Hey, we've got this really great scene. So a lot of bands, are people who have come from away and like come from different places to just sort of amalgamate in this one space so we can all be together and feed one another's creativity. Yeah. Yes. Cause like brutal youth specifically, like we're all from Newfoundland. We okay. all moved up together. For the purpose of the band? For the purpose of being in a band. Yeah. I love it. I love it. man. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like we were in St. John's in, uh, in Newfoundland, like it's, that's almost as far east as you can go before you're swimming. Uh, and so the, and the only way to get on and off the island is to take like a 10 hour ferry ride. Um, and then you're just in uh, Nova Scotia. So like, there's still a long way to travel if you want to like hit the States or like even to play like in Montreal, like you're yeah. for a good day and a half, two days to just like make that gap. Um, so yeah, we all like we all flew up here together to just like be a band and um, have that sort of accessibility of other places. Because in Newfoundland, like there are no major like places to play anyway. Like St. John's is the biggest city, and then it's an eight-hour drive to like Cornerbrook if you want to play Cornerbrook, and you might get lucky and book something in the middle. But like as far as like punk rock goes, or like like fringe music there's nobody who really wants to hear that it's not a particularly young area like 
most most people who live in Newfoundland um, don't have the good fortune of being able to find work at home. So they move away, they move to bigger cities, they move to major centers just to like make ends meet. And then they move back after they've made their money and like buy a little piece of land. And so that's the same story as small town kids, right? There's always that generation gap. <sighs> like right after high school and then they come back sometimes in the thirties. Right. But so yeah. between 18 and 32, the only people there, are, you know, might, might not even be doing that well, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. So there's this, like, there's this cultural vacuum in terms of like, like youth culture and like rock and roll. And like, um, like there's, there's a really strong traditional music community and there's a really like, like folk, not a problem if you want to start a cover band and do like Mustang Sally and fucking, you know, brown eyed girl and shit like that, like not a problem. You can, you can tour the, like you can make a living as a musician in a cover band. Mm -hmm. But in terms of like writing, like, you know, some kind of niche fringe music, like, like a ska band or a hardcore band or a punk band, or like an, even like an indie rock band, like there's no, there's no audience for that. Yeah, 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 grow the aquarium pretty fast, right? Yeah, it's tough. And not to say that there aren't people who have been successful because there are. It's mm -hmm. just hard. So those bands are sort of even more um like to to be admired for what they were able to accomplish in a space that is uh it's really threatening to just like styles of music and like cultures that aren't the sort of homogeneous society that exists right right that makes perfect sense it really does um did, was your family musical like did you like did you grow up with music around you yeah um my mom's side of the family is especially musical my dad's side not so much um but yeah like my my mom's mom was an incredible piano player her father was an incredible trumpet player um and then like my uncle on my mother's side is a, a wicked guitar player like really great uh he's got an incredible voice uh my mom was like my mom can sing really well and 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 plays the piano and uh yeah my brother and i both i guess inherited it from that side of the family i mean the other newfoundland in general is like it's a fairly musical place well, that's um, the image I get. I get absolutely. That's why I'm asking because, like, in my mind, it's cold half the year. People are, you know, in a big style living room with a fire playing music. That's what I have in my head. I mean, they're not far off. Um, so, what was? I mean, it's still popular, but like, uh, what was really popular in Newfoundland was what they would call t kitchen parties, right? So, a lot of the homes in Newfoundland, the kitchen is the biggest room. That's where everyone would gather. And then um, most of the time in like old houses too, you'll find that there's a bathroom just off the kitchen. And the reason for that was because when company came over, like everyone was in the kitchen. So they just built bathrooms right off the kitchen for, for, for these parties that they would have. And everyone would just kind of like come over, bring some beers. Um, and like everyone would just sit around the kitchen table. Someone would probably bring an accordion or like uh, an ugly stick, which is this like, stick that has like beer bottle caps on it and you just beat it on the floor and it's sort of <laughs> an ugly it. stick that's what you call it yeah it's called the ugly stick yeah i love and, it and uh yeah like a couple of guitars and and that was how people entertain themselves so you're not far off like the the, yeah. the kitchen parties in newfoundland were definitely like they were a big deal um and from that i think that just like like music became just such a a rich part of the culture and the history there that it just kind of like it kind of got passed through everybody just because like it was one of the only real ways to entertain yourself yeah um, my buddy john creeden came in he he said he was down there and like he noticed that just like random guys random dudes in in random bars he said like it's weird being in newfoundland because everyone's a better musician than you um which I thought was funny because like John's fucking incredible, but he was like, I just felt really intimidated being there because it's just like everyone was better than me, no matter what I was like. And he said it was just sort of like a, a humbling experience to see all of these people who just had this sort of like innate ability 
to be musical. But yeah, I think that's what it's from. It's just like, there's nothing, there's, there's very little to do there for a long time, like less so now. But. Did you grow up in, in like uh, bands through high school and stuff like that? Me? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I started playing music when I was, uh, I don't know, like 13 or 14. Um, and again, there, there was, there was little to do. And one of the things that was good in the community that I grew up in anyway, that was like, there was a lot of money filtered into youth programs and we had like a, a center for youth that would like, they had shows, uh, once a month. And it was like, anyone who wanted to play was allowed to play. So yeah. we were lucky that way. Um, but again, like, cause there's nothing else to do. Right. And like where I grew up in Walbush, the nearest neighboring community is an eight hour ride on a dirt road. And there's, and it's, and there's literally fucking nothing in between those two communities. There's not like a little tiny town or like a gas station. It's just like fucking fuel up and drive eight hours. Fuck my life, man. <laughs> Yeah, the, those drive, those types of drives are they're brutal themselves. Yeah, it's know? crazy. Yeah, <clears throat> that's wicked. But were there enough musicians like in your gang growing up? Like I see, like growing up in smaller communities, sometimes you know, I mean, there might be eight musicians in the high school, or you know, with, right. did you have a hard time like having people to play music with? <laughs> we had a lot of bands, I think, um, and I grew up in an area where like. Uh, most people worked in the my most people worked in the mine there um right, right. um and not don't get me wrong like there were kids who went without there were people who were below the poverty line but for the most part uh people were pretty well off so if a kid wanted to play guitar or if you like it wasn't generally an issue for like mom and dad to you know buy you a set of drums or buy you a guitar or whatever um and music was like a, ma a mandatory part of the curriculum in in the high school that i went to which was the only high school so like everybody who went through played in band at least for you know a portion of time so like everyone got touched by music um that's great yeah it was cool so so there were like there were a lot of bands and there were a lot of like pretty good musicians there were a lot of fucking dog shit musicians too but it was just kind of cool because like it was one of the things that was like a pretty big pastime and yeah like if people weren't out ripping around on their snowmobiles and they <laughs> i love it that's so canadian you know ripping around on the snowmobiles i fucking love it man <laughs> did you have one yes we had three I love it, man. They're fun. I my like our driveway growing up where the studio was uh, on the country uh, farm. It was one kilometer long, so we had to take a snowmobile and we had a little sled to bring like the groceries up because we couldn't keep the driveway open. It was too long, right? And it had two fields on the side, so wind would just like cover it completely. I literally had to cross country ski to go take the school bus to go to school. That's why I can relate so much to this. Yeah, man. Okay, right, yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, that some of that squares, right? Like I had, uh, we had a bunch of, we had we had three snowmobiles. Like it was one of the, it was one of the modes of transportation. The further north you get in, in Labrador, like at a certain point, people just don't drive cars anymore. They, they just, they get around on snowmobiles in the winter and ATVs in the summertime, like, like a quad or a trike um they, they become a survival like, tool right at some point like yeah absolutely yeah um like where i grew up like people still had cars and trucks and stuff but the further north you go like at a certain point like i said it gets there um i grew up like right on the edge of town so behind my house was there was a snowmobile trail like the just like a snowmobile trail that was owned and operated by the city um or the province uh and just nothing just like just fucking wilderness <laughs> i love it that i used to you used to get the groceries i used to walk the dog uh i taught him to to chase like he was a collie so he had like a herding instinct so i taught him to chase this this skidoo and just like that would be, it would be it would be like did you run the dog today and and like fucking typical like teenage kids right all we have to do is start a fucking snowmobile and take the dog for a rip for 20 minutes and he's fine and like still it was my parents just it was like pulling teeth to get us <laughs> to go out and get on the skidoo and take the dog for a run 
<laughs> Which, if you didn't have to do that as a chore, you'd jump on it and go anyway, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that's the thing, right? Like it became it became a chore to get on a snowmobile. It's like, <laughs> oh, do I have to? Well, like other kids, like have the it's just like take the dog for a walk. Like you got to get the leash and you got to go out and like you have to actually physically walk yourself for you know thirty minutes or an hour. Yeah, you have to do that. It's like I just had to put my thumb down, and like this was too much work for me because I was a <laughs> shitty sixteen year old. <clears throat> did, did you have like mechanical skills at all because don't those things break down all the time uh i mean we didn't have that issue at all so um i and the answer to your question is no i don't have any mechanical skills uh but i'm sure that like if i had had to do that then it might have come um yeah no i, I didn't my dad like figured it out though he's uh yeah he just like had a garage that he would fiddle around with that shit. So like stuff broke down and he would fix it. I had no interest. <laughs> I feel it, man. I'm the same way. That, but I asked that because like we just had one of those old skidoos. It wasn't going fast. I think it was, it seemed like it was broken more than half the time, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the ones that we had too were like second hand, third hand, fourth hand, you know, that, that kind of thing. Eventually my old man ponied up and like bought a brand new one. Um, but the ones that we had for a while, like they were old, like they were older than me. <laughs> Man, that, that's a wild story. Like a brutal youth, like the, the way you guys all came here. I mean, once if a whole band just, you know, crosses that line, takes that leap of faith to go to the big city and say, we're going to go be a band over there. I mean, that must make you guys one tight bunch right there too. Right. I mean, you know, cause everybody's all in at that point. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I mean, like we all lived together for a while and um, definitely like I don't not for a minute. Does it uh, like I never take for granted the fact that like I had three other people who were that interested and that dedicated and that just like excited to make music. Um, yeah. And it's cool because like, you know, generally speaking, when you're in a band with people, you become pretty tight. You become sort of like family. And absolutely um, for me, like doing that, making music, writing records, playing shows, like there's not, there's nothing I would rather be doing. So you get to do your favorite thing with your, your favorite people. Um, and I just like, every time we get on stage, just like, I'm, I get to like, there are people who are willing to witness me having the best time of my life with the people that I love. You know, it really shows the last time I saw you play, I think was at Pooza uh, at catacombs, if I'm not mistaken, because those Pooza weekends are a little blurry in my head, you know, for sure. <laughs> but you, my man have one hell of an energy on stage and it shows that you love it. I mean, like seriously. And I think you jump higher than anybody. I fucking know <laughs> how, how the hell do you jump like that all the time? <laughs> We just got very powerful legs came in. There you go. <laughs> It'll be on the tombstone. Yeah, very powerful legs. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's awesome. I really like those shows, man. Uh, catacombs, eh? I don't think it's going to be around. I don't know. Yeah, Catacombs is uh, just like, I loved that place. It was just, it was really just had like a, just a great layout, great vibe never had a problem with like any of the staff or anything, nothing weird ever happened with the patrons. Like it was just, I was only ever there for like Pooza shows for the most part, but like it always just feel, felt like it was touched with magic just to like have no issues. I'm sure there were, but I never had to experience them. I never witnessed them. Yeah. Um, it never showed from the bar people like to the people going there. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great. Those great, are my favorite. Like, like those types of cool mid-sized venues in all the cities like you know not even just in canada in every fucking city of the world that's where i feel at home is in those types of places right but i also yeah. think those types of places are the most at risk right now you know it's kind of like that mid-sized cool well done rock and roll places i think they are at risk all over there shutting down left right yeah i don't like toronto the number of venues that we've lost through this pandemic it's it like it's painful to look at those those numbers you just lost so many places shut down um and then there was like a mass exodus too a lot of people left 
Yeah. Um, it's been hard. A lot of people have been leaving the city. I, I did. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, like so many people are just like during the pandemic, just being in the city is, is something else. You know what I mean? Right now. But uh, yeah. I, you know, look, the only reason my for, for me to be here was to be immersed in the sort of culture that existed. Yeah. That you can't do that anymore. So like, I'm here right now because I'm writing a record and I'm doing all of that stuff. But the longer this thing goes on, the longer I'm just like, why am I here paying these ridiculous rent prices in a place that like fucking the air is cleared up now because everything's shut down. But like, generally it's like, you've got this dirty air. There's like smog covering the city. There's nothing green for miles. Like you've got a big, stupid polluted Lake at the bottom. Um, I just like, I don't have a lot of love for, uh, I'm, I'm a, I mean, I didn't grow up in a big city, so it's tough. Right. Um, I understand what you're saying and I don't feel guilty about it because like, I understand I people are protective about Toronto and the people who love it because there are people who love it and rightfully so it has a lot to offer. There's a lot to love. Uh, some of the things that people love about it are the things that I hate about it. Um, right. you know, like some of like it's nice that you can be law you can be alone in a crowd here um gr- coming from a place like newfoundland where like i brought my girlfriend down and we were just like walking around and showing around you know skipper comes over and just says like hey man how you doing how's everything today and we just had a conversation and she went who's that and i said i don't know and then we were you know walking along and somebody else came over and exact same thing she's like who's that i, was like, I don't know she's like, does everybody just do that here do y'all just talk to one another? Yeah. Um, and then like being in Toronto, it's just like cold shoulders and, and like thousand yard stairs. Uh, I was explaining to my friend in Ottawa, just the difference between Ottawa and Montreal, like on a bus ride, people in Montreal yeah. do not talk in Ottawa. Somebody's reading the paper and they're like, Hey, did you see this? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Hey, I got a question for you. You, yeah. you meant you said a line while you were talking, uh, being alone in the crowd. All right. That yeah. was something that, that do you have a song called that? No. So are you going to write that or am I? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it was, wasn't that the title of a catch 22 record? It was, it was, the, it was the title of their second record, but, um, really? but feel free. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea for the record. <laughs> um, yeah, no, feel free. That's uh, you, you can take it. Yeah, yeah, but hey, I, I, you know how you're it's saying you got the soft deadline. Well, I just got the hard deadline. We hit the studio on the 18th. I still there you go. that that's two and a half weeks ago. I still got a couple of songs to write here. <laughs> well, like, feel free to take that one if it if it. Uh, if well, you, thank if you it. very much, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Man, so you play guitar as well. We see guitars behind you, and you're writing songs. You. Yeah, because I wasn't sure, like, because I, I see you really in, like, the only way I've ever met you is as a front man, you know what I mean? Yes. But, uh, like, so you play a lot. Like, did you ever play guitar in bands as well? Yeah, so I cut my teeth as, like, a front man. And then my brother is really great. He's a fantastic guitarist. And I was like, I want to do that, too. So I started playing guitar in, like, a couple of local bands growing up. Um, and then Kyle, who plays bass in Brutal Youth, and I were in a band together before Brutal Youth where I played guitar and sang. Um, and then I started writing the Brutal Youth songs uh, as just like a side project. I had moved to BC and was away from like my crew in Newfoundland. I was like, I, you know, I got I got to write some music. So I started writing this stuff that wound up being Brutal Youth's first album. Um, and I was playing it and I got to a place where I was like, I can't sing and play this at the same time. Like the other stuff that we were doing with Class War Kids was like sort of like street punky. So it was just rock and roll and like pretty easy. This stuff, I was just like, this is too fast. And the, and the, the phrasing of the lyrics that I had written was like, there was just too much going, there was too much clash going on in my brain. Absolutely. Um, so like, I probably could have gotten there, but uh, it wasn't easy. So I was like, fuck it. And then I got back and like Greg who plays guitar in Brutal Youth was like, I really want to do this with you. I was like, yeah, cool. Sure. He's a fantastic guitarist. So I was really stoked that he wanted to do it. Um, and I was like, I'm not going to play guitar. And he's like, really, you're not? And I was like, no, this is too hard. And it also gives me a chance to just like let loose and be wild on stage, right? 
So. And you do. And you do, my man. <laughs> I love that. You know, like, I, like I mean, I fucking love it. Do you find like, um, like I understand, like you know, sometimes things are too hard to play and sing at the same time. That that happens to me all the time. But even let's say it's a simple part and singing, I find I sing completely different when I'm not playing guitar, for better or worse, depending in which situation. Yeah, no, I don't disagree. Um, you can just like you're not thinking about two things at the same time, right? Like it's just. Mm-hmm. Or, or three things, I guess, because you've got a strumming hand and then a, a hand that's, you know, forming your chord shapes or whatever. And, <laughs> and the remembering the words hand. Right. Yeah. It's a lot of stuff to do all at one time. So I find with um, when you're playing and singing, like you have to form a lot of muscle memory. Like you just like drill it. I'm so happy uh, to hear you say that. It's so true. Yeah. So, uh, um. Like I, like I said, if I had drilled it enough, I probably could have been able to play brutal youth songs and sing them at the same time. But like, yeah, part of it was it was tough. And then the other part of it was like, I just I want a space to just like be able to just let loose and, you know, jump around and, and yeah, be a front person who doesn't have to worry about a guitar. Yeah, yeah. And like it, it's funny. I, I was talking with Matt Smasher about this one once. He said, like, because we both play guitar and sing at the same time. And all I yeah. said, man. To, to like just do one or the other and actually have a front man in the band that that's something like a a lot of band yeah i don't know what the percentage is or whatever but it's definitely a plus you know you know what i mean like to have a front man that's not playing an instrument it definitely for sure for the band yeah yeah uh, you're just able to like interact with people a little more and you're able to like i find i'm able to um give the audience a little more of my attention because I'm not focused on like, you know, hitting an E chord or whatever. So I can, and and I got that freedom of mobility too, right? Like I can get out and get in the crowd and get in people's faces and, um, and all of the things that come with not having a big block of wood strapped to your chest. Do do you use like wireless microphones or you uh, with the wire? Uh, There's something that I like about having a wired microphone. Uh, I've had a lot of, I've had a lot of people who are like, why don't you just get a wireless microphone? I'm like, I don't know. It just, it feels weird. It feels like I can't, you know, I can't like spin it around and accidentally knock somebody in the head or like Half the fun. wrap it around myself. It just, it feels less fun. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I don't know about you, but like, I, I, I always have this like worry about seeming pretentious. So anything that could make me seem pretentious kind of scares <laughs> me and then I'm uncomfortable with it. And for some sure. reason, the wireless microphones kind of lead me in that direction you know it definitely brings out the the punk rock shame and guilt doesn't it yeah man absolutely yeah. you know and and uh you know we can say that as punk rock to resist that as well if you want but you know what i i, I just like the the chord at the end of the day you know yeah no i i totally agree with you um i have that too that sort of like innate sense that like there's um there's something pretentious about this which is weird but like i i i, I have that same feeling right you know, um, it, it, I realized that's the first time I think I've ever mentioned that. It's something that I've had in my head at different times, but I yeah. don't, I, I just realized I don't think I ever mentioned that to anybody before. And it's cool there's to a, see that you, you understand that. I do. Cause there's a lot of weird shit that gets drilled into us as like dudes in punk bands or like ska bands or like, you know, offshoots of that mm-hmm. specific genre. But like you got, there's, Along with the, like, you've got to look a certain way, act a certain way, think a certain way, all that sort of stuff that's tied up in it. There's also the, like, you can't sell your album for more than $10. You can't sell your t-shirts for more than $10. Like, there's this, there's this real sense of, like, shame and guilt. And you can't sing about sex. That I've never encountered, but um, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> I haven't written any songs about sex, so I wouldn't know, but. There you go. Um, but, hey, here's, uh, here's a vocal question for you. Check this out. Okay, yeah. here you are. You do tours. You're using your voice in, in its maximum form or capacity. Yeah. Do, you, do you ever have problems uh, like on the road? If you're doing do lose my voice? 20, 20 shows in a row. Yes. Um, generally speaking, I was talking to my buddy Glenn who used to sing in a band called Attention. And um, I think he said like, First show, you always like go too hard. Second show, you bring it back a little bit, but you've done the damage from the first night. 
third show, you basically lost your voice. The fourth show, it's like you're riding it out a little bit. And then by the fifth show, you've like built up enough of a callus and figured out how much is too much, like how hard is too hard. Um, and then like all the shows after that, your voice is where it needs to be. Uh, that's so that's very well described. Like that's very because like I also think that driving between shows has an effect on people's voices. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I used to do warm-ups and stuff to try and um figure that out. But like I find for me, generally brutal youth go like a fairly long amount of time between shows. So if we're on a tour, great. But otherwise, there's a lot of space between when we're playing and when we're not. And so I lose the sort of muscle memory of like how hard is too hard and I'll, I'll just blow it out. And, um, and then I'll suffer if there's a second night, but by like night four, I'm usually pretty good if there's a fourth night. But uh, does brutal youth, uh, sorry, I I just like, um, you know, I I was talking like, you know, 10, 20 shows type thing, but do you guys tour a lot? Um, no, not really. I mean, we tour, uh, but I don't know. I don't know what a lot is, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's as much as it should be uh, yeah. as much as it could be. Um, that's, yeah. That's, that's the best answer I have. And then dragged in uh, like we do as much as we can, but every, everybody in that band has like a career. So. Right, 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 right. It's tough. It's tough with those dudes. Uh, but that being said, like everybody in Dragon is very eager to play. And um But doesn't everybody in Dragon also have a lot of experience? Like it seems yes. to me, I I like uh, what Gabe sent me too. It's like yes, every, all every guy was in a fucking other band that kicks ass as well. Yeah, that's true. Everyone in Dragon, uh, like it's a very yeah, I don't know if seasoned or grizzled uh would be the right adjective, but for <laughs> I like sure. Grizzled. Yeah, okay. Yeah. What what's the plan? Like, what are you guys gonna do with the record? Like a uh, well, I mean the pandemic. We were supposed time. to tour with Sick of It All and Agnostic Front. Oh, and those really. shows got fucking knocked down because of this whole bullshit pandemic, which like I am so I incredibly wish. sad to hear that. Because that was for you guys devastating. Been, yeah. It was devastating. We were super excited and like both of those guys, uh, both of those bands, their records were worked on by the same person who did ours. Um, so like That's there crazy. was, yeah. Uh, so we, we were just like, we, I don't know. It was just, it made sense. And it was really exciting because both of those bands fucking rule. Uh, so we were really looking forward to it. And then everything that happened, happened. Um, and, you know, rightfully so all the shows got shut down it sucked but it was necessary and uh they were rescheduled and now they've been i don't know if they're postponed or just out like outright canceled at this point but um look i i really truly with every fucking ounce of my body hope that it does get rescheduled man because yeah. uh, you serve it because you pour everything into your show that's what impressed me about you i remember the first time i saw you i was with frankie my bass player and we we're right on the side of the stage i'm like man he's got it <laughs> you know like i remember oh, that one. and then we drank a bunch of jagermeister <laughs> <laughs> cool. yeah but like uh, okay so you definitely want to tour with the album though and that's fucking cool you know uh, that tour was supposed to be in the states wasn't it um we just had the canadian dates but like they were going through the states as well our, our hope was that we would be so impressive and my legs would be so firm that they would just be like, well, we can't not take this set of legs on tour with us. Of course. And that the border would greet you with open arms and say, it's no problem to be a rocker across the border into the United States right now. Yeah, Fuck exactly. We're having, we had a hard time at the border, right? A real hard time. Somebody had an empty fucking baggie in a pocket or something like that. Some asshole singer. Oh. In the band. <laughs> and, and dude, it's so funny. Here's the real story on this. It, like I changed jackets like right before jumping in the van. All right. And I forgot at the last show that a kid wanted me to smoke his homegrown weed. He was really proud of it. And I had a little zipper pocket here and didn't have a bag for it. So mm-hmm. somebody handed him a baggie, which was an empty cocaine baggie. And he put that when I say 
one eighth of a gram, a pinch of weed in this empty baggie. And he put it in my pocket, his little zipper pocket. And I, oh, that's Jen Kuba from Phil, uh, from uh, Philadelphia. She's, I love that girl. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, Hi, Jen. Yeah, right. Hi, Jen. Um, it, it's so funny that the, this guy, O'Connell, at the border of USA. Everybody should avoid this guy. Even his partners look at him crooked and you know he's not the favorite guy in the forest, okay? okay. He pulls out this one-tenth or one-ninth pinch of weed that I didn't mean to be there. And I said, look, man, I'm an adult. I would never have put that there in the first. He takes the baggie and he looks at me one inch from my nose, almost drooling. Are you trying to kill me with your fentanyl? I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And at first, actually, I forgot. At first, he pulls it. What is this? I look over and, and like a man to man, adult to adult, not kid to authority figure. I look at him. It looks like weed, man. <laughs> like, what? You don't recognize it? You know? And I think that just set him off, you know? But man, wow. they held me in a room for hours and hours. we're talking, but I got to thank his partner. I shouldn't say this, but he goes to test the empty bag with one eight and he drops it in the solution. He goes, whoops, the evidence just got flooded. I said, thank you. He goes, don't you ever thank me. Just get out of here. <laughs> I'm like, all right. So we got to yes. write a song called O'Connell, man. That guy, I, I, he's the type of guy in high school. He had no friends at all. I don't even think his mama likes it. There you go. Yeah. O'Connell, you're an asshole. That's your chorus. He's fucking straight up. I that or he got divorced three times in a row. <laughs> and sometimes those, like there are just people out there who just like they're on a power trip and they need they need to just like soak up any kind of authority that they can get. We had a an interesting border story too. Um, not Brutal Youth, but like a band that I was in before Brutal Youth. Um, and like so <laughs> everyone falls asleep because we've been driving a long time. Uh, our drummer is driving and he like nudges me. He's like, Patty, wake up. Uh, I took a wrong turn. I was like, okay, what's going on? He's like, uh, we're on our way to the United States. I was like, well, turn around, man. Like we're not going to the United States. We don't have visas. We're not cleared. Like fucking turn around right now. This is not the way to go. And there was no way to turn around. So we roll up to the border and the guy, you know, looks out the window. He's like, okay, what's going on? I was, and I just leaned out and I was just honest with him. I was like, look, we're in a band. We're on tour. We have no dates in the United States. We're not supposed to be here. Our idiot drummer just like fucking like he's fell asleep at the wheel or something. And he came across this bridge to the United States instead of staying on the road to Canada. Yeah. And that I, happens and now to we're people. here. Yeah. And I was like, and now we're here. And he said to me, he was like, that's not the first time we've heard that story. And also there's a garage over there. Why don't you pull your van in? And they took the whole fucking thing apart. Um, and they it's wound insane. up finding they have no that? respect for like like border border police are the worst police in the fucking it's, it's dude they threw our guitars out the back of our van but they also yeah. said that they put a drug dog in the van and he sat in the middle and it says when they do that it's because the dog is confused because he's surrounded yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's great man we, we, we had a similar we had a similar incident because like when that happened, they pulled us over. They went through everything, and they found like uh, someone had a roach in with the, in their pack of cigarettes, and um, and basically like one of the border guards came over and he was like, "Listen, we found the roach," and I was like, "I don't know what you're fucking talking about, uh, but I'm sure that I I believe you." And he was, and he basically said like, "We threw it away. We're gonna let you turn around because like it seems like you're being honest with us and that like you didn't need, mean to be here." But like, you're lucky that you got this shift and not the B crew because they would have just fucking thrown all of you in prison immediately. Fuck. So I guess O'Connell's on that on that team. I don't know. Yeah, man. The whole border thing. It's so like it's easier to tour Europe than the United States, our biggest yeah. ally and neighbor. Yeah. You know, it's absolutely. Insane. And what's fucking crazy is like. It's not that difficult for American bands to, to get into Canada. Yeah. And they lobby really hard for it. And they like, and that, that shit pisses me off because like you've got the American Musicians Union that like do a lot to get their artists through here. Yeah, absolutely. And do fuck all aside from like take some goddamn money for your dues collection. 
I, See, I, I always thought that am I crazy to think like I always thought it would be good for both sides and musicians in general is if if like if if two unions talk together or whatever it said look no matter what the final decision is it has to be <laughs> You know there are I mean? two problems as far as I see it. The first is we have a lot less people here. Like the population in Canada is what, what like fucking yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's fractional compared. So in the first place, we're watering down their market and taking jobs, I guess. In the but second the place, time, does it, like like mathematically we have less people and less bands as well, though. That like gets I me to my I second point, though. Right? That gets me to my second point. Um, any Canadian that has managed to break into the United States has fucking blown up in a way that everyone just doesn't expect. That's true. That, Like, honestly, you come back, like, <laughs> it's fucked up. We signed a huge deal with, well, for me, it was a huge deal, right? But with yeah. covert booking, that does books all are the bands that we like over in the states and they were yeah. going to start booking us pandemic hit we did two shows man two fucking shows so i don't know if that you know what's going to happen after the pandemic but we had to come home and if yeah. you know that's why i understand your heartbreak as well yeah yeah, yeah. I just i don't know like canadian artists go to 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 america and like you've got dudes like what like norm mcdonald's like fucking like jim carrey Celine Dion, Drake, hey, uh, Justin her. Bieber, and like Canadians just blow up down there, so they're afraid of us. We've just got too much talent. Yeah, I'm all for that. Speaking <laughs> of talent, because I, I can only record for an hour at a time on this, okay? And yeah. we're almost there. So to end this off, what I've been ending every episode is uh, with lately is I want to know three albums in your mind that everybody should listen to at least once, and one song, guilty pleasure. And the reason we do this is because we are musicians sharing music. Great. Okay. First album that everyone should listen to is Rancid's 2000 self-titled. Uh, in my opinion, it's their best record. And it was what made me want to write brutal youth songs. Uh, the Clash has given them enough rope. I think almost everybody on the podcast has mentioned The Clash as one of the three, which I find absolutely incredible because Joe Strummer had, was my musical, you know, guy. You're the only band that matters. Right, exactly. Thank you. I love you. Yeah. Um, and uh, fuck, third album. Um, we're going to run out of time before I get there, man. There's, I, I can't, there's, there's nothing that comes to mind as like, there's nothing and then there's too many at the same time. Well, how about I help you out? Can I name your third? Our third? Yeah. Yeah, sure. LP1 dragged in. It's fucking wicked. I listened to the entire album this morning. And morning. It's hardcore. It sounds good. Smooth on the edges so it doesn't hurt your ears. But fucking brutal at the same time. I fucking love it, bro. I'm going to listen to it uh, tomorrow morning as well. Way to go. Oh, Congratulations on new baby. Now you're all alone and you're driving and a song comes on. Nobody's around, but you know, if they all knew that you were grooving to this song, they wouldn't believe it. What song is it? Well, I don't have any shame. And so I don't feel guilty about any of the music that I listen to. Uh, but I've been really, I've been really digging on Carly Rae Jespin lately. That's something that people would be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I will have to check it out because I don't know who it is. She wrote that song, Call Me Maybe. I'm sure you've heard it. It was in every mall across everywhere. Then she should call me Mary <laughs> or maybe or may something brother. It was real fucking blessed. I can't believe it's been an hour already. Yeah. It's been great. It's been great talking to you. Yeah, man. We'll do it again. And uh, listen, we'll see each other on this fucking trail that we ride one day soon. You stay cool, brother. All right. You too. Congrats talking on the new you. album. Thank you. Love you. Oh, uh, before we go, yeah. everyone check out dragged in on Bandcamp and check out cursedblessingsrecords.com. That's where you can pick up everything. They've got a slew of great albums coming out. Um, choices made, uh, some stuff from the guys in Good Riddance. I think Russ is doing like a, a, a solo EP uh, and also Seized Up, which has Chuck from Good Riddance and just like a billion other great bands. I love it. And if you skip over Brutal Youth, we'll get you. That's right. Thanks, man. Good talking to you. All right. Peace out. Cheers. Oh. 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 Oh
I have a